the book of Acts chapter 2 verse 24 was uh, Peter's sermon after the Pentecost after the Holy Ghost came down and uh, and and people were asking questions what was happening so he gave an explanation as to what is happening and he spoke about Jesus extensively and said talk about how God raised him from the dead. Few things I want to say today was uh, why was it impossible for death to hold Christ down in the grave? And I think Peter gave answer to that. But, 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 but the, the answer Peter gave was that God raised him. It was impossible for Christ to be held in the grave by death because God raised him. But before I say a few things about that, the first question that should agitate our mind was why was why was he why was it necessary for Christ to die in the first place? Why was it necessary for him to die? Because when you talk of resurrection, we are talking about death. If no one died, no one would be raised. Jesus himself, speaking to some of his disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, verse 26, expand the Old Testament, pointing to the disciples that it was necessary, that was the word of Christ, that it was necessary that both the prophets and the fathers spoke about the necessity that the Messiah that will save the world will go to the cross. And the book of Isaiah chapter 53 uh, was quite explicit about that, that Christ must have to die. And Adam sinned and death came upon us and we were in need of redemption and God had planned that his son, the second person of the Godhead, would come to die so that we may be forgiven of our sins. When Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, there was nothing on God by way of compulsion to save anybody. I hope you understand that. God could have just wiped this earth, everything, and then that would have been it. And God would still be just because he told them, the day you eat of this fruit, dying you shall die. But the moment God chooses to save anyone at all post-fall, it becomes necessary for Christ to come because the sacrifice that God will accept as an atoning substitute for the infractions of Adam must be a perfect one. And there is no way Adam and Eve having fallen will produce an offspring that will qualify, that will meet the quality and the value of a savior. So God, even before man fell, had nominated his son that he would be the redeemer. In the covenant of redemption, he planned that Christ would be incarnate and that he would suffer and that he, God, will raise him back uh, to life. The atonement necessitates the death of Christ. Remember in the book of Genesis chapter 3, I think verse 15, say the seed of the woman shall bruise your head 
and then you shall bruise his heels. The second question that may agitate your mind was that when you read this particular passage, he said, God raised him. The question, who raised Jesus? Because we have read in other part of the scripture, it is clear, uh, other part of the scripture, that God raised him, yeah, as John chapter, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 32, the same Acts chapter 2, verse 32, uh, God raised him. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1, God raised him. Acts chapter 10, verse 40, God raised him. But when you turn to John chapter 2, verse 18 to 19, Jesus speaking, he said, destroy this temple after three days. I will raise the temple back again. Speaking about himself. In John chapter 10, verse 18, Jesus speaking about himself. He said, I have the authority to lay down my life and to pick it up again. So he does have authority to pick himself back to life again. And then, when you go to Romans chapter 8, verse 11, it speaks to the fact that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus back to life. So who raised him? Is it the Father? Was it Christ that raised himself back to life? Or is it God? The answer is very simple. The, the, the three of them, there are three persons in the Godhead. The implication of the idea of a trinity is that whatever one is doing, the other one is, uh, is involved. One is not working against the other. They work in unity. God, like, like in our redemption, it was God that planned it. Christ executes it. The Holy Spirit applies it. So in coming back to life of our Savior, the God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit were involved as his human body lay in the grave. The, the Godhead were active participants in bringing the Son back to life. Having cleared some of the questions that may come from you, let me speak about why did God raise Christ back to life? Because Peter has spoken to us that death could not hold him any longer because God raised him back to life. Why? Why was God active and acting in bringing Jesus back to life? The first thing I want to point to you, my brothers and sisters, is that God is a covenant-keeping God. The scripture that Peter was quoting in chapter 2 of Acts from verse 25 was from Psalm 16. He said, For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, and I, I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also would dwell in hope. That is the promise. For you will not abandon my soul to the Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. That's where you have to calm down very well with your, with, your, with your ears. God, before the foundation of the world, promised that he will send a Savior in his Son, the eternally begotten Son, Jesus Christ. In that promise was a vow, was a covenant that you raise the son back to life. There are two promises 
incubate in that covenant that he will raise him back to life. And number two, he will give the elect to him as a reward for his obedience. So in David, David echoed that promise. I don't have time to open all the scriptures. David echoed the promise that the father made to the son that you will not abandon me in the grave. Neither will you, will you will he allow the Holy One to see corruption. Because what happened at the cross was an abandonment. The sin of the entire human race was laid upon Christ and God, as it were, speaking in human terms, abandoned his son. That the son could not longer call him father, father. He called, my God, my God, Eli, Eli, Lama Sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? And then the, the son went dark and the son of God, the immortal, dies on the cross. And then he was buried. But God has promised him that he will not allow him to stay in the grave. And God is bound by those covenants. The first reason why God raised the son back to life is God. God protects his own holiness and integrity. He's bound by his word to fulfill the promise he made to his son. He brought him back to life. Amen. The second thing, why the, the why death could not hold him any longer was that God, God does have a, a divine vindication of Christ. Christ must be vindicated, isn't it? When Christ went on the cross, uh, there is a law in, in Deuteronomy that said, curse is he that hanged on the tree. In the Jewish culture, any man that is hanging on the tree must have been cursed. And in the estimation of the Jews, this man cannot be the Messiah. It's obvious. It's like we've been saying this all along. Look at him on the tree. Any man that hung on the tree is clear God has abandoned him. If he were to be the Messiah, God would have stopped the cross from happening. That was the calculation of the Jews. That the fact that God allows all the troubles and the pains to happen to him and then hangs on the tree means this is a cursed man. The resurrection was the vindication of Christ. Pilate told the Jews, I have found no fault in this man. There is no sin in him. The only reason why he went on the cross was that God was seeking for a lamb without blemish. He was a sacrifice. He was performing a sacrifice by death on the cross. Because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Romans 5 verse 12 tells us that by one man sin came into this world and by one man redemption will come to all human race. It was a sacrifice. So it, 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 there are two levels of this vindication. Vindication one is that to the whole world, now that the guy is back from the grave, it shows that he was never, never, never guilty. He was sinless. 
The second point of vindication was that Christ now being raised from the dead shows that the sacrifice that he offered was acceptable to God, isn't it? The sacrifice was acceptable, was perfect. Now, he need to be back to life. God was vindicating his son and having vindicated him and having confirmed his righteousness and holiness, death could not hold him. Why? The reason why death exists is what? Sin. Where there is no sin, death is powerless. Do I need to repeat that in your hearing again and again? Where there is no sin, if sin was not found in this son of God lying down in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, there is no way decay could set upon him. Because there is nothing there. No sin, no death. It is clear that the son of God is pure. He is without any stain of the original sin. There is no way death could hold him. It would be illegal for death. It would be impossible. Say it was not possible any longer for death to hold him. And God is duty bound to clear the innocent. There is no way an innocent man will lay down there in the grave. In the third place, why did God raise him back to life? In the third place. In the first place, we talk about God keeping his covenant. Number two, God vindicating his son. He's the innocent lamb of God. Number three, God, God will, will the, the, the resurrection make our redemption possible. The application made the application of the redemptive work possible. And this way, let, let me read some portion of First Corinthians chapter 15 in your hearing. Why was it possible for Christ to be raised? If Christ are not raised, we will not be saved. There's First Corinthians chapter 15. Let's see verse 15. Uh, this verse 19 thereabouts. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to be pitied. King James said most miserable. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all shall be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. And then he continued. The, the, the fact that God raised Jesus points to the reality of our own resurrection, if there will be hope for us to be raised on the last day, it hangs here. That God brought him back to life is a testimony that he will bring us back to life. If Christ was not raised, there will be no hope for the application of the work of Christ 
Justification will not be possible. Adoption will not be possible. Regeneration will not be possible. You know, in Christ will not be possible. Glorification will not be possible. It is by his resurrection that we, our justification, our being made right with God, find its essence. Yeah, the cross was important, but the resurrection, if there were no resurrection, the cross would have been useless. I think if you read the entire First Corinthians 15, it will be clear to you. God raised him again because of the message, the testimony of the apostles. Imagine if God failed to raise Jesus from the dead. What would the apostles say? Same First Corinthians 15 said, our testimony will be flawed. There is no way Paul, there is no way Peter and John will stand before the people and beat their chest and say, kill me. Which they saw him, they saw the raised Savior. For the sake of their testimony, for the sake of our witness to the world, for the sake of our resurrection, for the hope of our resurrection, God raised Christ from the dead. He raised him because of the covenant he made with his son and the covenant he made with Adam and Eve in chapter 3. After their fall. Number 2, the issue of vindication. Christ was vindicated by his resurrection. He was not sinful. All the allegations against him were false. He went there as our federal head, our human representative. He went there as a sacrifice, pleasing to God. The resurrection happened. God raised him uh, because without that, there will be no application of Christ's redemptive work. As we close today, let me say a few things by way of application. I want you to be happy that God raised Christ from it. You can praise God for being God. For being God. When Adam sinned in chapter 3 of Genesis, himself and his wife stood hopeless, isn't it? Stood hopeless. And God promised them that there's going to be the seed of a woman that will cure all of this. What Adam deserved was instant death. God covered them and gave them a promise. It is that promise, maybe 2,000, 3,000 years later, what Galatians 4 verse 4 calls the fullness of time that came to pass in Christ. We can thank God for being a covenant-keeping God. There is some scripture with me. It will be a comfort. Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Why am I not reading your Bible, Philippine? Eh? Verse 10. For as the rain and the snow came, comes down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return back to me and Continuing, Joshua chapter 21, chapter 21, verse 45, it said, no one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All, all came to pass. 
the rich, see, this world is full of failed promises. And as Nigerians, we are used to it now. Eh? In fact, if people keep their promises now, we'll be surprised. How many of how many of this are our default now? If I say, Felix, I'm going to give you 10, 10 million naira to start your business. Even as your pastor, what to be what's your default? Say amen, no, oh, amen, no, oh, amen, no, oh, amen, no. Oh. Hmm? How many of you hand on your chest will believe if the next as campaign is going on now? How many of the promises they are making now do you believe? You believe? That by next year, there will be no banditry in Nigeria again. By next year, all the refineries will be working. If you vote me into office, I'll be paying even jobless people. Uh, even if it's 1,000 naira, the man will be paying jobless people. How many of you will believe it? So much that if tomorrow government fulfills its promise to me, I'll be, so, I'll be very surprised. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You're not getting it. If you go to the airport and then you turn the tap, water is, everything is, there's no smell. You say, ah, uh-uh. Nigeria be, be this. If you call emergency number like police, <laughs> do you know police have emergency number in this country? Do you know that? How many of you know that the police have emergency number? <laughs> If you call police number now and in 10 minutes they are here, what will happen? Say, no, no, this, no. This is not true. We are used to fail promises now. And sometimes we treat the promises of God in that way. Say, Pastor, leave them. We don't hear that one before. Some of you who have been to churches where pastors give outlandish promises and hooking the scripture to it to make it look like it's God that is speaking. So we, have, we are used to failures. There's one pastor I actually censored a little bit yesterday who said God has put us on earth that whatever we say, we have power to declare a thing and happen. I said, so if I have power to declare, all I need to say is that millions food this house now. I need to food. That the same pastor also ran away from Ukraine. He could not declare that the war in Ukraine should, uh, should he's, in, he's in Belgium now resting and he said, and yesterday preaching that as God's children, we have willpower to declare a thing. Whatever we don't want to see, we can say, we don't want to see. Ah, okay? See. See. Some of you will think that the failure of the pastors represent the failure of God. No, sir. No, sir. All those promises Nobody shall be barren. Nobody shall be poor in this church. Nobody shall die in this church. As they are being broken daily, does not represent God. All the promises of God will happen. It's in the scripture. Particularly and precisely the one that relates to your resurrection. In this body we groan. This body, cancer, arthritis, Eye problem, fibroids, piles, malaria, all kinds of things. From one sickness, there will be another sickness. This body, the Bible calls it the body of death. We die daily. Look at your picture 10 years ago. You can see now you are aging. The things you could do before, you can't anymore. You are dying. This world is passing away before your eyes. 
as soon and very soon you will grow old, makeup will fail, age enhancing cream will fail, and then you will be in the casket. Without Christ, this world is hopeless. Our hope is in this very fact that when we drop this tabernacle, when this body fails, and we lie cold in the mortuary and then in the grave, we have hope because we are in union with Christ. We were buried with him in baptism and we were raised with him in his resurrection. Our own resurrection is tied to his resurrection. And him now being raised, we shall be raised into immortality. Amen. We shall be raised. We will not be abandoned in the grave. And we can hold on to that promises. Secondly, if God keeps this positive, the negative is this. God also kept the pro- made the promise that he will destroy the sinners in hell. He will keep it. Hmm? He will keep it. Help your sister. He will keep it. If, if, if your hope is in this world, if you are not trusting Christ, his death and resurrection, if you think your good works can pay and atone for your sin, you are mistaken. You are standing on, on sand, on the quicksand. It will fail. And if God kept the promise, of our redemption, he will keep the promise of judgment in hell. His just, holy judgment in hell. And I plead all sinners today to run to Christ for salvation. Finally today, my brothers and sisters, this year, I'm happy. The issue of vindication. There is no reason why death could hold Christ. This word runs, and I think I'm quoting Derek Thomas. He said the entire universe is a moral universe. There's a moral law that runs this universe. And that law is this. You can't keep a good man there. You can't keep a good man there. The only reason why Christ could not be kept in the grave was that he's a good man. Through and through. Now don't, now don't say, okay, he passes. No, I'm a good man. No, you're not a good man actually. You're not a good man. He said, he's a good man. And God is duty bound. Where there is no sin, there is no death. You can't keep a good man. Let me just talk on our own moral level. You can't keep a good man down. Let's just say good as in, in our, at our own level, there are some people that are actually good. They are trying their best to be good and all that stuff. If a man is innocent in the matter, you can't keep him down. You can't destroy, you can't destroy a good man. What is good is good and is indestructible. Let me repeat that. What is good is good. See, some of you work in offices. If you gang up against a good man who is doing his job, you are killing yourself actually. You can't, you can't put a good man down. Fire him as minister here. They will employ him in the World Bank again. To your own pain. Eh? Do you know how painful it is if your enemy is rising? Eh? You, you met with your friends and then you, you, you plotted, you, you gang up and then the guy is fired and then you are happy. Say, eh. And then you begin to set spy to watch. You know, and I don't see him. You don't see the recently. Say, ah, all his bones are coming out now. Say, eh? hmm. Now, wow. And then you are happy. 
There are some people, the day you lose your job, they'll be so happy. When they hear that you are having cancer now, say, uh-huh. And then all of a sudden, they now hear that you are now the minister. Say, uh-uh. They don't see any other person again. You can't, you can't keep a good man down. You can't. What is good is good. You can't keep a good man down. You can't. Bury a good man. Three days. Bury the truth. You can't, you, can you kill truth? Bury the truth. Three days three down the land, the truth will resurrect again. You can't keep it. And that's, that's a lesson for us. What is good is good. And what is bad is bad. God will always support goodness. And we saw it in Christ Jesus. Having been vindicated as a righteous person, death could no longer hold him in the grave. And one of these days, because you are in Christ Christian, your righteousness now is the one given to you by God on account of Christ. The other reason why the day, the, the day this world is going to burn with fire, the day when, the, 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 when this world is going to be destroyed, the other reason why you will be saved is that you are already in Christ. The righteousness that God is seeing at that point is the righteousness of his son. Because he is the only good man that never sinned. And his work has been given to you as a gift. We can praise God for that. Happy Easter. Father, bless the rest of our day. Let the words of our mouth and the communication that comes from our heart and the process of our mind and thoughts and affection be acceptable unto you and help us to rest and rejoice in the work of your son alone. In Jesus' name, amen.